Interesting. Is it interesting? Well, Is you missed old Kate shit. Based off your notes, you missed something, and then you also missed it when I just said it. Say it again. Say all that again. Bring her out, Alex. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> The other day, I was listening to a podcast, one of our faves, Red Handed, and an ad came on, and it made me realize that there is one business that I would love to be sponsored by, and that's Popeyes. (laughs) A Popeyes ad came on, and you know what? I fucking listened to the ad. I never listened to ads, and I was just like... Man, if we could be sponsored by Popeyes, that would be so awesome. I love Popeyes. <laughs> love that chicken from Popeyes. Not it's someone funny. pay me. It's funny that you mentioned that because Kate and I went and got dinner last night and we were we settled on Wendy's because she wanted a spicy chicken sandwich, but we were next to a Wendy's, a Chick-fil-A, and a Popeyes. And she was telling me about this like TikTok thing where you like you get Chick-fil-A, you get a salad bowl, you put mac and cheese, waffle fries, nuggets, and like some sauces in there. And she said, I'd get it, but I'm not homophobic. And I was like, well, should we get it anyway? Chick-fil-A was closed. But then I was like, well, while we're on the topic of chicken, there's a Popeyes right there. And she's like, it's a little salty. And it's like, well, you know how I feel about that chicken from Popeyes? And she's like, how do you feel about that chicken from Popeyes? And I was like, I love that chicken from Popeyes. <laughs> I really do love Popeyes and I stopped eating Chick-fil-A a long time ago. I'm not going to lie. I've slipped up a couple of times. It's good shit, but they do hate the gays and I hate that. So here's the thing. Friend of the podcast, Devin eats Chick-fil-A all the time. So I basically just text her. I'm like, Hey, is it okay to go to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I used to eat Chick-fil-A and feel guilty about it. And Devin ate Chick-fil-A. And so I was like, it's fine. I can eat Chick-fil-A because Devin does. And then one day she was like, no, I decided to stop eating Chick-fil-A. And I was like, well, damn it. Like now I have to stop eating Chick-fil-A. It's not Devin approved anymore. So now that I know that Devin's back to eating Chick-fil-A, I don't know. Her own mom is like, you're eating against your people. (laughs) Yeah. Like Jackie always like says shit about Chick-fil-A, even like when she used to send me videos of her picking it up for DoorDash, but she'd be like, you know, but I don't fuck with them. And I'm like, oh damn. It's so good. But back to my original point, we go to Popeye's a lot. Uh, As far as I know, they don't hate the gays. And I love that chicken for Popeye's, but (laughs) Chick-fil-A sauce is so good. But Popeye's, if you sponsor us, I'll never look at a Chick-fil-A ever again. True. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. And I'm Lauren's brother. (laughs) Still bitter about that. No, it's still funny. And today we are covering Season 2, Episode 11, The Hunting Party. And to quote Taylor Swift, I got deja vu. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was basically just... All the best daddies. No, I fucking did it again. (laughs) (laughs) It was very similar to all the best cowboys have daddy issues. We got Jack and Locke in the jungle arguing about if they should be following that trail or not. And Jack working out his issues. Yeah, you're right. And I didn't really make that connection because I don't really think past the episode that I'm watching. 
But I loved this episode. This was a really good episode. This was a great episode. And honestly, I hate it because every time you're like, oh, it's going to be a Jack episode. I'm like, ooh, blah, blah. And then they're always fantastic. Mm-hmm. This was like probably top five for me in like the series so far. Wow. That's high praise. There were audible. I I actually reacted out loud multiple times. And we'll get there. There was a moment where I went, oh, fuck, out loud. There was a moment where I went, shit, out loud. I threw my hand over my mouth. Like, I'm watching this by myself having actual reactions. Normally, I'm just, like, stone-faced, just watching, like, nothing affects me. This was a really good episode. I'm excited. I can't wait till we get halfway through and you're like, wait, what happened? No, I was I was fully in it. And you know what? I was watching it this morning and... I told Andrew, I was like, I have to watch this episode. You can come watch it with me, but like, don't distract me. And he kept freaking distracting me. So I kept having to pause it and be like, go away. I'm trying to watch the episode. <laughs> so he ended up leaving the house because it was like, you're distracting me. Before we get into it, uh, quick, similar story. Love is Blind 4 dropped last night. And yeah, I know they pumped those seasons out like nobody's business. Wow. I go over, Kate had already watched like the first two and a half episodes, but she was like, oh, I'll just read and you can catch up. And I was like, okay. By the way, she also watched the first four episodes and she's like, I only watched like two and a half. And I was like, motherfucker, you're almost done with the batch. So I turned it on and I, it's the same thing every time I just talk about how stupid the show is and how stupid everyone that is on it is and how it's just like a dumb concept. Of course, love isn't blind. Physical attraction is real. Uh, But Maybe like 20 minutes in, she's opened her book and I noticed she's still on the same page. And I was like, good luck. I commentate out loud when we watch shows like this. So you're going to get distracted. And then maybe five minutes later, I turned to look at her because I was going to say something like really funny. And she's booked down, just cuddled into me. And I was like, you give up. And she's like, I got distracted. (laughs) But anyway, why don't you hit me with that synopsis? I have to scroll through all my notes. This is like the most notes I've taken in a long time. I got the notes. I was like, God damn. (laughs) Yeah, I had thoughts. Okay, here's my synopsis. Michael finally does what we all expected, and the gang goes after him. But they are met with a not-so-friendly surprise. I see you remembered his name. Yeah, I did. And you know what? I have a lot to say about that guy. I can't wait till we get there. I've got quick bits. This episode was directed once again by Stephen Williams. This is his third Jack-centric episode. Mr. Friendly says in reference to the island... Tell me, you go over to a man's house for the first time, do you take off your shoes? Locke did in fact take off his shoes when he first got into the swan hatch, but Jack did not. Okay. I feel like we're reaching for quick bits these days. This this one was a reach. (laughs) And Mr. Friendly also says, somebody a whole lot smarter than anyone here once said, since the dawn of our species, man has been blessed with curiosity. This is the first half of a quote from Alvar Hanso in his 1967 address to the United Nations Security Council as shown on the Hanso Foundation website. Alvar Hanso is the guy who sponsored the Dharma Initiative. Oh, so this isn't a real person? No. Okay. It's also not a real quote. And the only reason people would know this is if they went to, like, the lost experience. was like It was like an outside the 
show kind of thing that people were doing. We'll touch base on it here and there. I never really did it because anytime I got on the computer, I was looking at Michelle Rodriguez naked, not going to the lost experience, but we'll talk about it again someday. Okay. I just want to go on record in saying you have referred to this guy as Mr. Friendly. Yes. Is this another case of like calling them the tailies? Do they refer to him as Mr. Friendly later or did you actually come up with that one? He was referred to as Mr. Friendly by fans of the show. Okay, so you didn't come up with it? No. Okay, I feel like we just need to put that out there. Hmm. Okay, that's fine. I've actually been planning. I have notes somewhere hidden of times where I have just like straight up said something very subtly. So I can show you that I did that like years from now. Oh, good. Well, try to keep it as subtle as possible, because sometimes I feel like you're not that subtle. Editing Zane here with a clarification. Mr. Friendly was the name used by the producers in the script for the character. However, it was revealed to the public by TV Guide. So it wasn't fans. My bad. I was a child, so cut me some slack. Let's get into it. We start off with a flashback where Christian and Jack discuss a tumor on a patient's spine in a whisper. But Angelo, the patient, has his daughter translate and ask for the whispers to stop. Christian tells him that he is not a candidate for surgery due to the placement of the tumor on his spine, and it is impossible to remove. But Angelo asks why they will not try. Christian says it's not a surgical procedure, it's a miracle. And they say they did not come from Italy for Christian, they came for Jack because of the impossible surgery he performed on Sarah. Jack tries to support Christian's argument, but Gabriella asks if he will try. Jack looks at the x-rays and agrees to run some tests. Christian gives Jack a disapproving look and walks out. My first reaction in this scene was, hot girl with an accent. Here we go. My theory is about to be proven right. That's what I thought. And, And boy, did it go somewhere. Just wow. I was thinking as I was watching this episode, Lauren probably thinks she's a fucking genius. If she remembers her theory. I did remember my theory. All of a sudden, we've got a hot girl with an accent. I was like, there it is. And throughout the episode, I was like, I am so smart. And I'm like, in a way, I am. But we'll get there because the gasps that were gusped. In the hatch, Jack jolts away from his sleep as if he was David Kohler. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that is so true. Waking up our dad is like the scariest task. Like there is no good way to do it. (laughs) So for those who don't know our dad, when we were kids, you know, dad would take like a nap after work or whatever. And he'd be like, you know, wake me up in an hour. And Lauren and I would fight over who had to wake him (laughs) up. But dad will open his eyes. They're glazed over. He'll stare at you for like 10 seconds. And then he'll be like, and like jump. Yeah, that's (laughs) the scariest part is he'll always look at you first and then react. And so sometimes you're lulled into like a false sense of like comfort. You're like, oh, it's okay. This time it's not going to happen. He stares at you like he's looking through your soul. And then he freaks out and you're like every time and there's no good way. You could start in the doorway and be like, dad, dad, wake up there. It, you cannot do it gently enough. One time I wake dad up, he does the whole thing and he goes, 
I'm like, you got you got to get up. He's like, <laughs> and I leave the room. An hour later, why the fuck didn't you wake me up? <laughs> anyway, Jack checks the computer and Locke is not there, but he hears him groaning and finds him unconscious in the gun locker. Then Michael pulls a gun on Jack and tells him to get in the locker. <sighs> Jack tries to talk him down, but Michael tells him that he's going after his son and no one will stop him. That is a father's right. I just love the way he delivers that. Jack asks if Michael is actually going to shoot him. and Michael says no, but he will shoot the computer and then says it's not what he thinks it is. They have no idea. He forces Jack into the locker and Jack offers to go with him. But Michael says he has to do it alone and then locks him in. That was interesting to me. One, okay, there it is. There's the Michael that we all expected. Like, we were just waiting for this to happen. The the comment about the computer. Clearly something has happened that we aren't privy to. Because we were seeing Michael talk to who he thought was Walt. But now he's... Clearly something traumatic has happened. Like, he's very upset. He's like... That computer's not what you think it is. Like, what happened? I I really want to know. Like, that's really interesting. Do you think threatening the computer was effective on Jack at all? It seemed like it was. Why does Michael need to go alone? Oh, I had two thoughts in that moment. At first, I was just like, he's just being stubborn. But then I was like, maybe in those discussions that he was having. So remember the first, I mean, the last comment that we saw on that computer or last message was you need to come to, and then we didn't see anything else. But maybe there were like explicit instructions like, oh, you need to come here and you can't bring anybody. You know what I mean? Kind of like a hostage situation, like don't tell the cops, come alone, like that type of thing. I think that's why he wanted to go alone. But if it's not that, then I think it's just people are constantly trying to stop him from doing things. People are constantly trying to be like logical with him. And he's like, I don't want to hear it. I'm going by myself. Which at a certain point, if it were my kid, I'd be like, yeah, I feel like I feel like bad plan at this point is better than no plan. Like it's been like a week. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But at the same time, like Jack told him we're going to go after him like no one's forgot about Walt. I just think he kind of got into this headspace of like nobody's going to tell me any different. I'm going right now. Locke comes to and asks what happened, and Jack tells him about Michael and checks for signs of a concussion. So we're, we're just acknowledging that head trauma is a thing, but don't worry, it didn't happen. <laughs> I love this scene because he's like, I'll just go ahead and, and give you your notes for you. Right after he checks for the concussion, he's like, you good? Okay, give me a boost. He's like, <laughs> let me do this three-second concussion protocol, and then, oh, you're okay? Now do this extremely strenuous task, and please lift this 175 to 200-pound man up to the ceiling. <laughs> Locke just fucking passes out. Exactly. Locke tells him it's no use because he bolted the vent shut from the inside. Jack asks why, and he says, well, there's no use changing the combo. You can just get in through the air vent. Then Jack asks why he let Michael in, and Locke says that he wanted to practice shooting. Then he realizes that the button is unattended. He says they are on shift for the next four hours, and no one is coming down. Jock. I said Jock, and in my brain, I'm like, oh, that's their ship name. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jack says they should hope that Sawyer comes down to get his bandage changed, which you mean to tell me with 40 people at that camp, five of which just walked over from the other side of the island. No one is coming down to use the shower. (laughs) You know what? Thank you so much for saying that because every single time we have a hatch scene and there's like two, three people in the hatch, I'm like, why are people not hanging out in the hatch? Like, there's music there. There's showers there. There's shelter. There's beds. I'm like, well, I would be fighting to be in that hatch. Like, give me every shift. Yeah. I mean, I understand, like, yeah, the beach is beautiful and everything, but, like, nobody wants to shower. With 40 people on that island, like you said, there should be a person in that shower at all times. All times. Kate wakes Sawyer up by throwing a banana at him and tells him that it's time for the bandage to be changed. He asks for help and she pulls him up and they get real close. And just like the sexual tension alarm was just blaring. Bruh, I would have kissed him. They arrive at the hatch and find it empty and realize that they're locked up in the locker. The button starts going off so Kate goes to press it and Sawyer lets them out. Jack gives Locke a gun saying they're going after Michael. Sawyer asks what happened. They bring him up to speed. So Sawyer grabs a gun. Jack tells him that he's still on antibiotics, and Sawyer says it's a good thing he's traveling with his doctor, which I thought was funny. I also thought was funny, and I also was like, I, I understand what Jack is saying, but I just think it's so funny. Like, because I'm thinking about like the times that I've been on antibiotics for like a head cold, and then it's like, you can't, you're on antibiotics. <laughs> like, I, I get it, but I did think it was funny. Yeah. It was funny that just, like, the entire episode, Sawyer's just walking through the jungle, just, like, holding his arm. You know what? I actually feel like I had a thought multiple times that I forget. Oh, Josh Holloway? Yes. He does such good, like, my shoulders slightly injured acting. Like, even when he was in the gun room, like, there was just, like, a subtle little thing where I was just, like, excellent shoulder acting. And the Emmy for best shoulder acting goes to... Yeah, exactly. Somebody should give him an Emmy for that. In the next flashback, Jack monitors Angelo's vitals or whatever, and Gabriella asks how he is doing. Jack asks why she did not go home, and she says that she lives in a hotel room and prefers the hospital. She asks why he's been doing tests for the last month, and Jack says that he is thorough. She confesses that she does not believe in miracles herself, and Jack agrees. She then asks if his wife believes in them, saying that she is thorough as well. She says Sarah must be very special if she lets him work until 4.30 in the morning. And Jack immediately realizes he fucked up, and as he tries to leave, Gabriella thanks him. This is where I wrote in my notes that you probably are like, I'm a fucking genius. (laughs) I kind of already thought I was a genius, like, just when the character was introduced. But yeah, obviously there's, like, more hints at, Mm -hmm. like... Every stereotypical, like, leading up to an affair thing is right here in front of us. Like, oh, your wife? Oh, you're neglecting her. Like, oh, shoot, I have to rush home. Like, all this crap. It's all there. Jack is very just obsessive. I don't really ever think it was, like, intentional. I think he genuinely did just lose track of time because he's obsessed with, like, being perfect with the surgery. Yeah, there's no question about that. I don't think that he was, like trying to stay behind to spend time with what's her face. But that's to me is just like giving a little insight into like, Oh, this must be a trend. Like, Oh shit. I did it again. Like that type of thing. 
He arrives home and Sarah greets him in bed. She asks how Angelo is and he says he's about the same. And then Jack apologizes for waking her and apologizes for coming home so late. She says it's the price of being a miracle worker. Then she gets up saying she needs to go to the gym and grade papers. I guess she's a teacher. She gives teacher vibes. And she tells him that she took a pregnancy test and it was negative. Jack gives like a little understanding nod and asks if she wants to talk about it. And she asks what there is to talk about before cutting him off and leaving. And I swear every flashback scene just ended with somebody leaving the room to end the conversation. This was an interesting scene to me because the whole time I'm like, okay, there's obviously like something underlying here. I kept waiting for one of them to be like, oh, and happy anniversary. Because like it clearly was like a big deal to her that he didn't come home. And so I'm thinking, okay, he either missed a date night or missed an anniversary or there's the other obvious option, which is just like, he does this all the time. And he said he was going to fix it and he didn't. And then after she said that she wasn't pregnant, I was thinking, well, maybe they're trying for a baby. And like, he had promised to like, come home and like knock her up. And that didn't happen. Like, so I'm like going through all of these things, but nothing was said. And you know what? I actually like that, that nothing was said. Yeah. I do appreciate Jack. Like, like let's not lie here. He sucks. And, and like this whole, like just being distant thing but he like is making the effort every now and then like do you want to talk about this opening that door and she just like slams it yeah but you know what i'm gonna look at it from her perspective like he might have verbally opened the door but if i'm her i'm gonna be like it's 4 30 in the morning he just got home from working probably close to a 24-hour shift if it's 4 30 in the morning let's be honest probably 16 to 18 hours of working does he really want to talk about it like is he really actually open to having an in-depth conversation right now probably not and that's probably the way she sees it like what's the point Kate and Locke find Michael's prints and the start of a trail and Kate asks if there's a gun for her but Jack benches her telling her that someone needs to watch the button Kate asks why it should be her when she can track and carry a gun but Jack snaps at her and tells her to stay before telling the others to move out. Sawyer and Kate share a glance on the way out. What was your reaction to Kate being benched? Honestly, my first reaction was I just thought about the TikTok that you made. That was the TikTok. (laughs) This This whole episode was in reference to those two TikToks. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was just like, typical Jack shit. Like, you can't do it. And typical Kate shit. I want to go. Like, yeah, I don't typical shit. Do you think Jack was sincere at all about someone has to watch the button, or was it just like this is the perfect excuse? No, absolutely not. There's like so many other people that could have done that. Hurley, Charlie, other people, like so many people. Kate has already abandoned the button once. Or is she really the most trustworthy per- person to watch that button? Make like, that twice. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, just, it was just typical Jack shit. You can't go. At this point, he needs to be smart. She's coming anyway, as we see later. Like, just let her go, dude. Sawyer asks Jack what Kate did to him, and Jack says nothing. But Sawyer doesn't buy it, 
And as they continue to walk, Jack tells him to just go back and see if he hurt Kate's feelings. Sawyer says that he was just saying, and Jack says, I know, you love her. Which confuses the hell out of Sawyer. (laughs) They stop talking as Locke cannot make sense of the trail. He asks Sawyer if any of it looks familiar, and (laughs) Sawyer says it's his favorite leaf. I laughed out loud. That was such a good line. He asks what direction the ocean was on their way back, and they determine that they were coming from the east, but Michael is heading north. And I am not a tracker or a, or a woodsman or anything, but, like, it's an island. The ocean is on every side. No, like, they were walking along the coast. So, like, I, it's a yeah. pretty good question. I think you're just dumb. It, it just... Not really knowing the environment of the island outside of the scenes that we see. Because every time they go somewhere, they cut out most of the getting there portion. So it's just like, I don't really know. Because they're just standing in a valley. It's like, which way is the ocean? And Sawyer just points one way. And I'm like, sure, I guess that's east. Yeah, but they live there. I'm, I'm sure he knows where the ocean is. Yeah, so do I. It's everywhere. Okay, but it's like that island has mountains on it so you're on one side of the island you can only see the ocean to one side i feel like you're kind of being stupid right now i it just i cannot wrap my brain around it i know it makes sense but i just don't get it it makes perfect sense yeah i'm sure it does it does see i would have just been like which way was the sun Okay, but the sun changes you know positions what they in used? the sky. You know what oh, they could have used? A fucking compass. <laughs> so they determined that Michael's heading north, which means he's not going where they came from, but he's going somewhere else. And since it wasn't revealed in this episode, I want you to give me a prediction. Where is Michael going and why is it a straight path? I think that he got information from whoever... Actually, I'm sorry, whomever he was chatting with on that computer. And that's why he's going north with confidence. And he obviously does go towards them because, you know, spoiler alert, we meet the others later. So whomever he was speaking with on that computer was giving him correct information, whether that was actually Walt or somebody just leading him into a trap. At the beach, Jin watches as Kate and Hurley talk frantically about something, and Sun puts a hat on Jin, saying that the sun is strong. Jin says he does not need it, and Sun says she knows, but wear it anyway, which was super cute. Yeah, I love them. He tells her that something is going on, and Sun asks Hurley what's up. Hurley compliments Jin's hat and tells them that Michael stole guns and went to chase after Walt. Your note confused me. What did I say? You, at one point, you have a line where it's like, stole guns and took off his underwear. Oh! So, so he, Hurley says, he says, uh, Michael stole some guns and went commando. <laughs> which I know what commando means, but the other meaning is that you're not wearing underwear <laughs> under your pants. So I said, oh, he stole some guns and took off his underwear. I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? I thought it was pretty funny. It's funny, I'm just confused. Hurley then leaves to go to the hatch, and Jin starts collecting water, and Sun asks where he's going. Jin says he can catch up with them, but Sun yells at him not to go. She says while he was gone, 
She did not know if he was alive or dead, and she will not go through that again. Jin says that Michael is his friend, but Sun says that she is his wife. And smartly, Jin puts the bag down and stays. I love this moment because it really shows growth for both of them. Absolutely. It's great because, you know, look where we were at the beginning of the series. Jin was like, we don't talk to them. And now he's like willing to put his life on the line to go after his friend. He's also listening to his wife and son is finally speaking up for herself. So growth all around. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Sawyer asks if they can take a break and Locke agrees. And Jack asks if Michael is lost. And Locke says it's a straight trail. Like he knows where he is going. And then asks Jack where he is going. He asks what the plan is once they catch up with Michael. And Jack says he will bring him back. Locke asks if he doesn't want to go back because they're past the point of listening to reason. And Jack asks if they should just write Michael off. And Locke says, who are we to tell anyone what they can or can't do? Which is a quote that I live by. I am fully team Locke in this moment. And, but my other thought was like, why are none of them giving the option of we find him and we help him get Walt back? Well, for one, what does that entail? Oh, the four I don't of know. them just go with the guns that they have and limited resources to a place they don't know. I don't know, but like when Michael was trying to leave, Jack was like, I'll go with you. Like, we'll do it together. So that was an option then. Was that an empty op like an empty offer? Was he just saying that to get Michael to not go? And then he was gonna be like, but we'll do it later. It might have been like, let's like get more resources, let's tell people what we're doing. So, like, they don't worry. Let's maybe get Saeed on board since he's an actual soldier. I feel like you're right. That is probably what Jack intended. But Michael was going to go. Nobody was going to stop Michael. So that offer, to me, was just an empty offer. Yeah. So what happened was, it's a really windy day here in central Ohio. And my internet was knocked out for, what, like four hours? Enough for me to get through a pretty good chunk of Naruto. Yeah, and for me to finish editing an entire episode from scratch. I took the dog for a walk while I was waiting for the internet to come back. And the side paneling of one of the apartment buildings was ripped off. Hmm. And the fence around what should be a pool, but they will never put a pool in, was blown down. (laughs) So while I was bitching that Spectrum is a piece of shit for a little wind uh, knocking out their service, I didn't realize how severe the wind actually was. Which I told you to stop complaining even before I knew that story. So (laughs) I feel vindicated. Well, anyway, we're back. Speaking of back... We have a flashback. That's a horrible segue. I've never claimed to have good segues. In the next flashback, Jack hands Gabriella consent papers for the surgery and tells her it's not too late to stop and just go home, that Angelo could live a happy life for another year, and she asks if Jack changed his mind, and he says no. She signs the papers, and as she goes to leave, she tells Jack that even if he fails, he is giving them a chance, which is all she wanted. Christian then comes in and finds the two of them alone. She leaves, and Christian tells him to be careful, that he knows there is a line, and pretending not to is dangerous. 
Jack claps back, saying that Christian would know about the line. And Christian says that it may be okay for some people, but not for Jack. And then he leaves. What a thing to say. I feel like, like what he's saying there is he's like, uh, some people can do that and be okay with themselves and some people can't. Which is like kind of a nice thing to say about Jack. He's like, you can't handle the guilt of it. But he's like, I can. I didn't give a shit that I cheated on your mother. It's basically what he just said. Yeah. Or maybe it's like a like a, a warning. Maybe Christian's like, some people can handle it, but not you. And he knows because maybe he didn't handle it all that well. No, Christian looks like he handled it just fine. We talk earlier about Christian as a as a father to Jack. And when we were talking about the whole inner voice and like you don't have what it takes kind of thing. I was like, I think Christian's got a good read on Jack. That was not accurate. But here it is accurate. Christian can read Jack like a book. Yeah. One little kiss and Jack's just like changing everything about my life. I mean, that's good. I feel like that's a a good trait. It is the like appropriate response. You know, the most appropriate is just no kiss. Well, yeah. Back on the island, the hunting party scales a steep climb And Sawyer asks Locke if he's sure that Michael didn't just go around it, calling him Mr. Clean in the process. Locke asks why he picked the name Sawyer, saying he saw the manifest and knows that his name is James. Sawyer asks what it is to him, and Locke says that he thinks it's an interesting name, and asks who he got it from. And Sawyer asks why he had to have got it from someone as seven bullets fire. That's a lot of bullets. (laughs) Jack calls for Michael. Locke tells him to just get down, but Jack goes running after him. Locke eventually finds a bullet mark on a tree, and they realize he's close. Locke asks if they want whoever Michael was shooting at to come towards them, and Sawyer says he has unfinished business. Jack says the others are supposed to be two days across the island, but Sawyer says that they took Cindy less than a mile from their camp. Locke finds fresh shells, but there's only three. They agree they heard seven shots fired. And Sawyer points out it's getting dark and asks which way Michael went. As Locke looks for the trail, Jack asks Sawyer if he's out there for Michael or revenge. And Sawyer asks why Jack is out there and then says they are out there for their own reasons. Why is Jack out there? Because he's the leader and one of his followers went astray. He's got to get him back. He's got to maintain control. I don't really think that is the reason. I don't fucking know. He's, he's like got a God complex. He's got to protect everybody and he's got to protect Michael. In the next flashback, Jack slams the lockers in anger. We learn that Angelo died during the closing section of the surgery. Jack says that he got all of the tumor out and Christian tells him that Angelo was a sick and old dying man who was on the table for seven and a half hours and his heart just gave out. It's no one's fault. It's interesting to me that he didn't say it's not your fault. In like a comforting way, father to son. He just says it was no one's fault. Yeah, but you know what? I think when someone says, it's not your fault, it kind of implies like, but it could be. But what he's saying is like, no one's at fault and no one could have been at fault. This just happened. I do actually think that's more comforting than saying it's not your fault. Jack says he needs to tell Gabriella, but Christian already did. He says, don't forget, I'm still chief of surgery. Jack asks where she is, but Christian tells him to go home to Sarah because Gabriella is gone. 
and Jack slams his locker shut. In the parking lot, Gabriella finds him. She's been crying, but she thanks him for trying. She then breaks down and Jack hugs her. And as he apologizes, she kisses him and he lets it happen. However, he does eventually pull away. She says that it's okay, but Jack is flustered and says he can't and leaves. This is just Jack's M.O. He's like, I see a girl in distress. I comfort her. She kisses me. It does not go well. (laughs) There we go. I have a hot take. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But with everything that we know about how long it went from them meeting and Jack accepting to do the surgery to the end of it, I feel like she might have like made her peace with it, especially since they kept saying like it probably won't work because she went from crying to kissing to it's OK to not really crying really quickly. And I think it might have all just been because she had a thing for Jack and she just shoot, shot her shot. I disagree i think that people cope in different ways and it was like a distraction for her infidelity is a distraction yeah just feels icky well yeah it's icky but like i don't think that her kissing jack means she's okay that her dad died like i don't think that's what's happening here Locke tells them that he lost the trail but jack gives him a torch Locke says that they should probably head back the trail is gone Jack says that he didn't lose it, he just doesn't want to find it. And finally, Locke snaps, saying Jack is right. He's been running towards the sound of gunfire because he doesn't care about Michael. Locke tries to leave, but Jack tells him if they leave, they'll never see Michael again, and that will be on both of them. Enter Mr. Friendly. This is one of the gasps that I gasped. (laughs) Just when he says you're exactly right, Jack? Yeah, I literally went out loud. I went, oh, fuck. (laughs) Mr. Friendly says that Jack is right, but he should listen to Locke. Sawyer identifies him as the one who shot him on the raft and then goes to shoot, but a bullet from the tree line grazes his uh, neck or side of his head. I kind of thought it was like his cheek or maybe his ear. Something got hit. (laughs) Mr. Friendly then tells them to lower their guns, which they do. Jack asks where Michael is, and Mr. Friendly tells them not to worry about Michael. He then tells John to build a fire. It's time to talk. Listen, I kind of love Mr. Friendly. (laughs) Like, as a character, I think he's awesome. And I was so excited. In this moment, I was so excited because I was like, we are finally going to get some freaking information about the others. Like, I was pumped. I was really pumped at at this point. I feel like you got some information. Not a whole lot, but enough to... It's not as much as I wanted it to be, but it was something. You want to know something funny? Hmm. When Kate was watching this for the first time, she was convinced that this guy's name was Jacob. I don't know why, but she was just like, that guy's Jacob, isn't he? And I was just like, why? And I, and she was like, because he seems like a Jacob. I do not see him as a Jacob. If I had to name this guy, he'd be a Carl. Carl Hank. Friendly. <laughs> Hank. He could be a Hank. I could see a Hank. He could be like a... A Jerry or a Gary? Are you just saying that from Parks and Rec? No. Just <laughs> you imagine like, Gary or Jerry from Parks and Rec in this role. <laughs> no, I could not. He looks like he needs like a fisherman's name. I he just was on gave that you, boat that one time. Yes, 
And he looks like a fisherman. He looks like he'd be on Deadliest Catch. So here's something interesting. You mentioned a while ago that you thought there were like different factions of the others because Mr. Friendly was on a boat, but everybody else is just kind of like walking around the jungle and seems more primitive. Okay. That's not exactly the reasoning I gave. Like it kind of is. You got there in the end. It's just that like Mr. Friendly being on a boat has nothing to do with why I think there are factions. It's just that I feel like we've had glimpses of a more primitive, like, living off the land native type of vibes. And then we've just seen like normally civilized people. Mr. Friendly seems to be in the, I want to say normally civilized, but at the same time, he is pretty grungy. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. What was your question? Cause I just interrupted you. I don't think I had a question. Okay. I mean, you, you kind of, you kind of got there. I was going to ask you, did seeing Mr. Friendly in this environment, change your thought process at all no at the hatch hurley and charlie search the music collection and find geronimo jackson's best album in my opinion charlie has never heard of him and they put on some music and hurley starts talking about libby saying he thinks she's cute and he thinks he has a chance with her but charlie isn't listening he's thinking about claire and he asks if claire misses him after a day geronimo jackson a real artist yeah very obscure but they're an actual artist and, and you've listened to this? No. You just said, in my opinion, that it's the best album. Yeah. So you're just making shit up. Well, if there's only one album, that's the best, isn't it? Oh my God, you're stupid. So Hugo and Libby. Yeah, I love that. I want that to happen for sure. You haven't even seen them interact. Except for that one time they built a tent. I don't care. I just want Hurley to be happy. Saeed walks in and says that they're playing depressing music. Hurley offers some Geronimo Jackson instead, and Saeed asks where Locke and Jack are. They tell him about Michael running off and how Locke, Jack, Sawyer, and Kate went after him. Immediately when they said that, even though I knew that Kate was going to do that, and I think there was something earlier in the episode that like made that pretty obvious. Oh, when she was like talking to Hurley, when Sutton Jin, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. I was like, all right, obviously back with Mr. Friendly Kate is going to try to like ambush them, like do something crazy, save the day. I was like, she's about to fuck this situation up. That was my prediction at this point. Last week when I said that there was a moment that Kate thinks is like the dumbest and most selfish moment in all of television. It was Kate. You were correct that it was Kate, but it was just this whole thing. This was like a fuck up of epic proportion. (laughs) Okay, listen, I'm going to be honest. It was. And I was mad. What? (laughs) I'm going to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm leading up to something. It was stupid. It was selfish. It was dumb. I hated her for it. But I do feel like Kate being captured by them was not like a make or break thing. They were already outmanned. They had already lost control of this situation. They were already going to have to lay down their guns and walk away or die trying. The only difference was like, They forced their hands by having Kate, but like we're jumping ahead. But like, it's not like, oh, if Kate hadn't done what she did, we would have won. We would have like defeated them. Like, no, you wouldn't have. So like, why does it matter? Like Kate's just dumb, but it's not like she ruined everything. Mr. Friendly tells Jack to sit. He comes in peace and Locke asks how they know their names. And Jack asks about Walt. Mr. Friendly says Walt is fine and he is special. Jack tells him to talk. 
So Friendly asks how long they've been on the island. Jack says 50 days. He then says, when you go over to the, someone's house for the first time, do you make yourselves at home? And looks directly at Locke, saying, do you open doors to rooms you have no business opening? He then says the Hanso quote from the quick bits about the blessing of curiosity and asks if Jack knows the other quote about curiosity. Then he says, one of my favorite lines and very bone chilling, this is not your island. This is our island. And that the only reason that they're living on it is because they allow them to. What do you think he meant when he said opening doors to rooms you don't have any business opening to? And what do you think their involvement with the hatches are? Okay, well, since you just said it, he obviously meant the hatch. Well, yeah. Okay, but why ask the question if you're going to then answer the question with your well, next question? What do you mean you have no business opening them? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, obviously, the hatch, there's a lot of unanswered questions about the hatch. And maybe they have some of those answers. And they're like, even they don't fuck with the hatch. You know what I mean? I have no idea. No idea. What was your next question? Well, it was... What do you think their involvement with the hatches are? And you said, I have no idea. Oh, uh, there you go. I have no idea. Jack laughs and says he does not believe them. He says he thinks they have one guy with a gun and that there are more of them. If they had any real strength, they wouldn't have sent Ethan as a spy. Friendly says that he thinks that's an interesting theory and then yells for the others to light up their torches, revealing they are surrounded. Before that he even revealed there are a million people in the jungle, I was like, Jack... You're stupid. Like, them sending Ethan into the camp as, like, a spy does not show weakness. It's a strategy. Get some intel on the enemy. How does that show weakness? And just being like, I think it's one guy with a gun, a bloody bear. I don't know. I Sometimes Jack's, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Is, is hubris the right word? Or is that the opposite of what I'm trying to say? He has the lack of hubris. That's what I figured. I'm stupid. Bravado. Sure. Sometimes he's a dumbass is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Friendly says that they have a misunderstanding between the two groups. He tells them that the spot they're standing on is a line. And if they cross that line, they go from misunderstanding to something else. He tells them to surrender their guns and go back. But Jack says no. So Friendly plays his last card. He tells Alex to bring Kate out, gagged and bagged. And he tells them she was gagged and them. bagged. <laughs> wow. Interesting. I didn't even hear what you said after that. I'm sorry. Friendly says that she was following them. Interesting. Is it interesting? Well, Is you missed old Kate shit. Based off your notes, you missed something. And then you also missed it when I just said it. Say it again. Say all that again. Bring her out, Alex. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> What? I can't believe I missed that. This makes this episode, like, even more intense. They did not show her, really, at all, and no one reacted. I don't even know if any of those three know her name, but the, the name Alex was definitely mentioned, and I cannot believe you didn't notice. I did not notice. There was so much going on in this scene that's so, like, wow, mm, interesting. Very interesting. Sarah tries to make a move, but they put a gun to Kate's head. And Friendly asks if Jack can live with Kate dying because he was too stubborn or if he's going to give up. Sawyer makes a threat, but Friendly tells him to shut up and then starts counting. 
He almost gets to three, but Jack caves and then lays down their guns, all five of them, including the one that Locke was hiding. As Sawyer drops his gun, he says, you and me ain't done, Zeke, which I did a lot of research. This was not a reference. I think he was just trying to sound like a Western. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My favorite thing that I found in the research was when somebody said, I actually think this is a reference to Attack on Titan because there is a popular character named Zeke in it. And somebody responded, you're right. An American TV show made in 2006 would reference a Japanese anime that came out in the late teens. (laughs) I've never watched Attack on Titan, but Andrew does watch it. Maybe I'll watch it when I finish Naruto. Friendly throws Kate into Sawyer's arms and collects the guns. They free Kate and the others disappear. She immediately tries to apologize, but Jack asks if she is okay without even looking at her. At the beach, Sun finds Jin looking at the water. She asks if the others have returned, and he says not yet. He then tells her that he does not like being told what to do, and she says being told what to do was her life for four years. Oh my god. (laughs) And she did not like it either. Jin says that she is right and puts his arm around her and then gives her the Riz look. Okay, don't say Riz to me right now. And also, I really liked this moment because I felt like it, it had a it had the potential to be like, uh-oh. But then it was good. Mm-hmm. Growth. I think it it was a good moment because like, you know, things did get better right before he left. And then like like there's the emotion of him returning, but they still like need to talk about like what the problems were in their marriage. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, he's back. Everything's perfect now. Like that's not it, but they're definitely still making progress. Mm -hmm. On the way back to the beach, Kate apologizes again, saying she was just trying to help. And she was angry for being benched. She made a mistake. Jack does not respond. So she grabs him, asking him to talk to her. She apologizes again. And he says he is sorry too. And then just keeps walking. Knowing Wow, you're just the greatest Jack supporter of all time. What were your thoughts on his uh, treatment of Kate after everything went down? Mm, I think she deserved it. Like, stop doing stupid shit. Just stop. Like, I understand that Jack's reaction is he's like, I was trying to protect you. You didn't listen to me and look what happened. Like, you know, fuck you, basically. But like, and, and you could see that as an overreaction. But honestly, she's got to stop doing stupid shit. Yeah. But at the same time, if Jack had just let her go in the first place, this wouldn't have happened. But someone needed to watch the button. Whatever. (laughs) In the next flashback, Jack comes home and finds Sarah clearing the table from a dinner that she had with her mother. She asks how the surgery went, and he says Angelo died. The way she just like kind of like moves on, she's like, I'm sorry. Off to the dishes. (laughs) It's just a little cold. I mean, if you look at this scene in hindsight... Everything about it is cold. It's, oh, let's, let's dig deeper. The scene is gasps were gusped. She asks how Gabriella took it, and he tells her about Gabriella kissing him and him returning it. He says that he made a mistake and that it's his fault and the distance between them is his fault. He says they don't even talk anymore and he hates it. And he promises to change, to work less, to be there for her, to fix it. He hugs her and then she pulls away saying she is leaving him. Pause. Because I just have so much to say. Like, if I don't... My mind was racing in this scene. First, 
She says, I'm going to have to break it down, like, literally line by line to give you all the thoughts that I thought. <laughs> no, I'm giving you my thoughts. That's why these details matter. When you're telling me, like, uh, Charlie flipped his hair and looked at the beach. I don't have thoughts on that. I don't need to hear that shit. Okay. First, she's like, wait, what's that bitch's name? Gabriella. Gabriella. She's like, how did Gabriella take it? And I was like, ooh, she's suspicious. That's not good. Then Jack's just like word vomit, telling her everything. I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't have told her. Does that make me a bad person? Yes. Yeah. But I have, I have theories on things like this and it doesn't matter, but okay. So anyway, then I'm like, oh my God, he's just like telling her everything. And then I was like, you're not going to be able to come back from that, bro. And then he's like, it's my fault. I'm going to work less. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to work less. That's don't give empty promises. And then he's like all this stuff and, and he's like owning up to it and he's hugging her. And I was like, honestly, girl, I would accept that. I would work on it. And then I see that she's not hugging him back. And I was like, no, it's too far gone. She's out of it. She's, and I'm thinking that she's just going to be like, that's my, the, the switch has flipped in her and that she's just going to be like, I want a divorce. But then she's like, I'm leaving you. I was already going to leave you before all this. I was like, oh my God, ouch. I was like, ooh, that sucks, ouch. And then she drops the bomb of all bombs. Zane, what does she say? Be seeing someone else. I just flabbergasted. I would have never predicted this. You never. gasped. I gasped. <laughs> I I was shocked, like literally like my hand over my mouth, like a Gen Z-er. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked. Wow. Wow. As she goes to leave, she tells Jack that he will always need something to fix. And then she says goodbye, leaving Jack crying in the kitchen. I really felt for him there. Let's go back a little bit. You said you would have accepted it if you were in Sarah's position. I don't know if I can say that from like, oh, if I was in Sarah's position, because there's so much that we don't know. But he seemed sincere is what I was thinking in that moment. I was like, I think that the kiss was just like he hit rock bottom and it really showed him like how bad their relationship had gotten. And I think he genuinely wanted to fix things like he didn't want to have an affair and like you know, seek romance somewhere else. Like he just loved her and he wanted to fix it with her and he like saw the error of his ways. So like, I, I don't know, like would I have accepted it if I was her? I don't know, but it seemed genuine to me. And I was like, I wanted her to say, okay. You were rooting for them. Well, I wasn't really because like, I obviously know they're not married anymore. So I was like, this is it. But like, you know, if I hadn't known, I would have been like, oh, I'll give it another try. How do you feel about Sarah after everything? I think that she's interesting. I'm not going to shit on her. What she did was wrong, but we don't know like how bad their relationship had gotten. I think it's really interesting. I just imagine she must have felt so much guilt because she married the man who saved her life and like allowed her to walk again. And then to and then go and walked out on him and to like to cheat on him and leave him like she must feel guilty really guilty about that like i just can't even imagine 
it's interesting. She does kind of like put it on him. She says like, you will always need something to fix. Yeah. And, and like in her mind, that is probably how she justifies everything. Like, but the thing is, I said this in the beginning, their relationship is built on this miracle, this amazing thing that happens. And you just, that's not sustainable. Like, what do they have beyond the fact that he saved her? Clearly, they weren't actually compatible for a lifetime marriage. You know what I mean? They're both good looking and were in close proximity to each other. They have made Hallmark movies off of that. Uh, yeah. And those I'm sure with every Hallmark movie, those people follow the same divorce rate as all of us in America. Like, I'm just saying they didn't have a good foundation. They had like kind of like a movie type of thing where you're like, oh, it's so romantic. He saved her. And now what? <laughs> and what else? Are you actually compatible? Obviously not. Do you think it's true that Jack will always need something to fix? Mm, yeah, for sure. Back on the island, Jack still won't even look at Kate. And Locke says goodbye to James. That's gonna be fun. I don't think he refers to him as Sawyer much anymore, like throughout the rest of the series. Uh, I'm just gonna say right now, I loved Locke in this episode. I'm not gonna say love. Okay. I liked Locke in this episode. It was a good Locke episode for me. So let's just, you know, mark that down. So Locke is hottie of the week. It's already on no, the spreadsheet. I, it's on the that, spreadsheet. Shut your mouth. <laughs> That's not the case. Sawyer tells Kate he would have done the exact same thing as her, so she should not beat herself up. And Locke checks on Claire and Aaron as a jealous Charlie watches on. We find Ana Lucia trying to eat, but Vincent is stealing from her. She's being mean to Vincent. After all she's done, this is the last straw. <laughs> Jack joins her and they talk about Michael. And then Jack asks if it's true that she killed another. And she said yes. He says that Saeed told him she is a cop. And she corrects him by saying she was a cop. And then Jack asks her how long it would take to train an army. Hey, Charlie killed another too. Why aren't we asking Charlie how long it would take to... <laughs> Come on, he's got some, some serious experience behind him. Hurley tells me you were in a boy band. My joke was funnier. Your joke's yeah. not funny. And that is how the episode ends. It's an interesting development. I don't love it. You don't? No. It seems like a dumb idea. It seems like a, a good way to get people killed. What, what is an army? There, there's 40 of them. Some of them right. are old, out of shape. One of them extras. is an infant. <laughs> an infant baby. They put a it's, saddle on Vincent and Aaron rides him into battle. Okay. Here's the thing. It, it does not seem likely that this would be a successful strategy, but it kind of makes me feel like a dick because I'm like, what's the alternative? They just leave Walt out there? Because maybe. Really? People are going to die trying to like save him. And I'm not saying that that means you shouldn't try to save him, but like, this just doesn't seem like it's plausible right now. I just don't see a way in which this, like, ends well. Do you think anyone will join the army? I wouldn't. <laughs> After Michael's revelation about how oh, the computer isn't what they think it is, do you still think the button is real? I'm going to stick with yes. It's a hesitant yes. Hesitant yes. How do you think Charlie is holding up with the distance that he and Claire have? Not well, but I don't care. 
Once again, did not think I'd have to ask this question. Who is hottie of the week? Okay, so the reason that you have to ask is because I did just decide at the end of the episode. There was never like one moment where I was like, hottie of the week. But it was a hot episode. So we're going with Locke. No, shut <laughs> up. It, it was a hot episode. It could have been two people. But we are going to give it to Jack. Oh, awesome. Could have oh. been Sawyer. Could have been Sawyer. But we're going to go with Jack. Reason? Just thought he was hot today. Your reasons get better and better. The last four? Thought he was hot today. Fresh haircut. Shirtless. Anguish. <laughs> Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? Excellent episode. Like, really, really good. Really good. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. For shouts. Speaking of really good episodes, next week... Is, is it a Charlie episode? I just feel like it is. Damn, you were on it. <laughs> Not only is it a Charlie episode, but get ready, folks. It's the infamous Fire and Water one of, if not, the worst episodes in the series. Yay. I mean, I might be drinking for this episode. This one's bad. Well, now I'm not very excited. <laughs> Don't worry. Once we get through this one, we got a really good one. Well, that probably means that, that our next episode will be pretty funny. Because we're probably just going to be just roast masters, right? Just shitting on Charlie the entire time. Everybody loves when we shit on Charlie. Yeah, once we get through this episode, we have a one, two, three, four, five, five episode streak of just like really good episodes. So let's just get through this one really quickly, shall we? We shall. Well, that's all we got, folks. You know the drill. Head on over to all the social media. We are so close. I really think that by the time this episode airs, we will have 500 followers on TikTok. Which means Zane will be filming a Vincent-centric episode starring his dog, Locke. Which you can find on our YouTube channel. Which Zane's definitely created, right, Zane? Because it's been on your to-do list for two weeks? Yeah, and you probably can't find the episode yet. Because it's going to take a while to write, film, and edit by myself. Okay, well you can eventually find it on our YouTube. But there might be some other shit up there. Because Zane's definitely been working on a blooper reel. Yeah, I've been working on that too. Yeah, Zane's been working really hard. Hey, why don't you run over to our YouTube, the link will be in the description, and go ahead and subscribe anyway. And if we get 100 subscribers, we'll do a little something special that will be determined later. Maybe it can be recommended by you guys. Wow, what a promise. People are going to be running over to that YouTube, Zane. (laughs) Despite Zane's shitty promise, do it anyway. Go subscribe to our YouTube. Also, go follow us on TikTok at laurengetslost.pod and our Instagram at laurengetslostpod and our Twitter at laurengetslost and search us on Facebook. It's not a group. Lauren Gets Lost Podcast. You can also support us by giving us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. You can leave us a review, DM us your nice messages, tell your friends, tell your family, Tell the next person that shoots you in the face. You've already done that one. I have? Yeah. I'm going to stick with it. I got (laughs) nothing else. Whatever, guys. Join us next week for another episode. I can't. Fire. Fire. Fire.
and something else. Water. And water. I'm just going to assume he relapses in this episode. Or thinks about it. That's my prediction right now. You hear it here, folks. Bold prediction. A recovering drug addict thinks about relapsing. Shut up. Whatever. I, I gotta be over. I, this has to end. Just end it. Cue the music. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.